following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. Do you have criteria for various aspects of Christmas? I would find it very hard for you to say no to that. Christmas, probably unlike any other time of the year, is what brings out the various kinds of criteria. We have certain criteria for the type of food that we're going to eat. You have those kinds of cookies and not those kind. You have these types of traditional baked items and not those kind. Even when it comes to things like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, whether it's a ham or a turkey or, or whatever it is, we have our certain criteria when it comes to food. We have certain criteria when it comes to decorations. Have you ever seen how some people decorate the Christmas tree? We have four kids at our house, and so you might imagine pr pretty accurately what the tree can easily look like. As all the kids kind of get started and there's like 15 ornaments on one branch, maybe every now and again my, my wife might try to reorganize some things. It's, it's not too neat. We understand we have kids, but there are some people who make sure that their tree is perfect. It is symmetrical not only when it comes to the lights, but when it comes to every single ornament. That's not wrong. I'm just saying that is a certain criteria. There's also certain criteria when it comes to events that people attend. Whether it's going to this certain light show, or maybe heading down to Greenville to go ice skating. Maybe it's going to a, a musical or the Flat Rock Playhouse. There are all sorts of criteria that we try to meet. And it's not just the criteria that we set for ourselves, there is also the criteria that other people have of us. Every single time of year, this time of year, there are people at work, your overseers and also your clients and your customers who have high expectations, expecting you to meet their criteria as they try to meet the criteria of the people in their life. Criteria is a huge matter this time of year. So what should be our top criteria? I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. In fact, these types of criteria or expectations, they exist every time of year. It's no different. And they can even, in a lot of respects, help bring blessings to this time of year for us as people and also as Christians. But what God's word has for us today is a different kind of criteria, a criteria from God himself. It doesn't just help us prepare for everything leading up to Christmas, but it helps make Christmas meaningful because it prepares our hearts for the ultimate culmination of Christmas when we see our Savior face to face. Every single step, every little bit of this pathway to our heavenly home, God has laid out for us a criteria not to expect more from us and to burden us, but actually to bring blessings to us so that we would also be blessings to others, like lights in this otherwise very dark world. Paul is writing these words to the Thessalonians, and these Thessalonians, they had been looking forward to the coming of Jesus so much so that they had a lot of confusion about when Jesus was going to come and what that was going to be like, and Paul has had to clear this up. For example, they, they had this confusion that when somebody died and they weren't going to be there, when Jesus came again, they would miss it. Or maybe they would go to nowhere. Paul had to clear that up and say, that, no, our, our loved ones who died with Jesus, they have, they have gone to be with him, and we will also go to be with our Savior and with our believing loved ones who have passed away. 
They had misconceptions about what was all going to happen and maybe even some uncertainty and fear, trepidation even about the last day. Paul clears all of that up. And instead, what he wants for them to have is a type of criteria that they would live out in their everyday lives, a criteria that wouldn't just bring blessings for a season, but for a lifetime in preparation for eternity. So do you want to know what God has for you as far as the Christian's Christmas criteria? Look again at what Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you. All of these things are God's will for you to rejoice always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for your whole life. So, so the, the first criteria is a life of all of these things, this rejoicing and praying and giving thanks, this, this type of Christian life that is a fulfillment of God's will for you. And that should be easy, right? It should, it should be easy to be joyful always because we know that our joy exists in everything God has for us. We are in Christ Jesus. He brought us into his family. He has an eternity in store for us. So that joy that we should always have, well, it should always be there. That's pretty easy to check that box and then to pray continually. We have a God who welcomes us. We have an open pathway to the throne of his grace. We can talk to him just as we talk to ourselves, just as we talk to anybody else, we can approach our Heavenly Father. He calls himself our Father, and so we can storm his throne with all sorts of prayers and requests for us and for so many people, and there's plenty to pray for. We know this. We look in this otherwise dark world, and we know that it needs God's light, and we can pray for that. That's God's will. And then also to, to give thanks in all circumstances. Boy, do we have a lot to be thankful for. We, we just got done with Thanksgiving, where we cannot escape all of the blessings that God has given us. Blessings for our family and our life and our body and our soul and the people that we love and our relationships, our, our family and our friends, our church, believers, the, the, the whole world. Man, all of this is God's will. This should be really easy, except it's not. Because it's hard for us to find joy when life hits us upside the head, when it, it seems like everything is against us, when there are health issues, when there's depression and anxiety, when there are worries and fears. It's hard to find joy when we know that our joy is rooted outside of our circumstances, but our circumstances seem to be so bleak and dire, maybe even dark. To, to pray continually, our, our ears and our hearts and our minds are bombarded with all sorts of news and media and narratives and stories and voices and influences that it could be hard for us to find a quiet time. To be properly reclusive from a world that is otherwise demanding our every moment, every day attention. To pray continually, how about, can we find time to pray at all? And not just those, those times in the morning and at night and maybe before a meal. And not even just to kind of spout off something that we know from rote memory, but to actually talk to God. And then to give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes it's hard to give thanks. When it seems like we're about to give thanks for something and then the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we respect his will and we ask God for renewed faith to trust in his sovereign plan, but 
This is God's will for us. This is not an easy box to check, especially this time of year when everyone speaks of cheer and joy, and yet depression and fears are on the rise in December leading up to Christmas. They don't decline. Happiness and merriment abound, yeah, but so often that is just, that's just lip service to the struggles that people have. To pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances, it, it's not a surprise that the economy is hard on people. People who are running businesses, people who are working and trying to make ends meet, they're trying to support their kids. They're trying to help whether the kids are going to college or their kids are still in diapers or anywhere in between. You look at the grocery bills and you look at all the other bills and you look at what you're making. It can be really easy to zero in on the zeros. It's hard to give thanks, but you know, you know why we can? It's those last three words. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't skip over that. You see, whenever the Apostle Paul uses the words in Christ Jesus, he's not just adding that on as a tag phrase. He's not just name dropping Jesus. And so with a little Jesus du pixie dust, now, now you're, you're going to be blessed and, and just go along with it. It's, it's not like that at all. You think of it as like a, a sphere, this three-dimensional orb that is very much a resemblance of our life in this world. And he says that you are in him, in Jesus Christ. It happened in the waters of your baptism when you were claimed into his family so that every single step on the pathway to your heavenly home, he is in you and you are in him. You belong to him. This is, you are in him. That means you get all that Jesus has to offer, his forgiveness and the peace that transcends our understanding. You get the love of God and this new status with him that you're a forgiven child. You have this oneness with him and he with you. And so as you focus on heaven and the Savior who loves you and strengthens you and will never leave you when circumstances aren't joyful, when scenarios make it hard to give thanks, when you find yourself listening and talking to everything else except to your God in prayer, the fact that, yes, the fact that you are in Christ Jesus gives you this greater blessing that he will never leave you or forsake you, and he is the one who is always with you to the very end of the age. So the first Christmas criteria, your life. Specifically, not just a life of actions and not just a life of lip service. We see enough of that that is only skin deep in this time of year, but something that is much deeper than that. It is a life that is in Christ Jesus. There's more. He goes on to say, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. This next type of Christmas criteria, this box to check, is one that has everything to do with the word. How it is that we treasure the word and stay in the word, re rejoicing not just in ourselves, but in everything that God gives us in his promises that requires a lot of work. It is, it is a criteria that we are called to meet. You see, in order to be able to, he says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. To test all of these spiritual sounding messages that we hear, it means that we take them and we put them under the microscope. We don't just accept every type of Christian-ish type of thing that we hear. 
whenever someone says something, especially this time of year, that sounds like it is close enough to what God says, no, we don't just kind of say kumbaya and it's okay. No, the things that are not in line with God's word are never going to help our soul or our mind or our life. In fact, they negatively affect those things. And so God calls us to be not only those who check the box about how we live our lives, but also how we live with God's word. That is going to be our guide. It is going to be our comfort. It is going to enable us to actually see what is wrong and evil with this very dark world. Because we have the light of God's word. It is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. It also shows that the true light is Jesus himself. That's what John the Baptist said. He himself was not the light, but he is the one pointing to the ultimate light that is Jesus, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And at Christmas, Jesus comes to us and we look forward to when he comes again. But you know how else Jesus comes to you? In his word. You want all of the blessings? You want to meet the greatest expectations? Find the greatest joy and fulfillment this time of year? You can't have that without, without the word. So instead, we unleash this fire of the Spirit who is always working in and through the word to strengthen our hearts. We pour over God's word in our personal devotions. We shut out the noise for a moment so we can let God speak to us. Just as earlier, we have a life that is always praying to God, so too in God's word, he is always opening up treasures, old and new, for us, for our lives, and for our faith. That is especially true this time of year. When so many things are demanding our attention and, and proposing to us more responsibilities, more criteria to meet for them and for others, God's word is far different. It gives us this arrow down grace where God puts himself on the hook, where he bends over backwards and, in fact, disrupts everything in this world to come into our lives with his promises of peace, with his prophecies of truth, and with his powerful word of forgiveness and grace. A Christian's Christmas criteria? A totally different life. A life in Christ Jesus. A life that is in the word. There's more. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We have a life, an expectation, a criteria of, of hope. We look forward to the time when our Savior will come. And we have no reason to doubt our Savior's promises. The one who promised is faithful. You see, God wants our whole life, our, he says, our spirit, soul, and body. It's a way of speaking about the entirety of ourselves. Not, not separating ourselves into we're part this and we're part that, and, and you kind of have this pie chart and then we're kind of the circle. It's just a way of saying the entirety of you that God cares about. The entirety of you that God redeemed. Just as he made you, he also has saved you, and he wants by his spirit to keep and preserve your faith until the coming of our Savior. This is a life then of hope. Not, not across your fingers, not this blind kind of hope, but a hope that is sure and certain. Because the one who promised is faithful. And, and the faithful one is the one who rose from the grave, and he's just the beginning of all of that resurrection certainty. And so he is the one who is faithful, and he will do it. Namely, he will keep you. 
He will keep you in this positive hope, this awaiting, this expectation of the coming of our Lord and Savior, which leads us to not only look forward to things like Christmas, but it leads us to look forward to Jesus' second coming. And every single time that we get to, to spend our days in this faith-filled expectation until we see him face to face. I was talking to somebody recently who, who was saying that there is a lot of reasons for us to be fearful and worrisome this time of year. But when I asked him about these words, he said, you know what? He was talking to me. He says, it's up to you to tell people that we have a lot to be positive about and we can be joyful always and we have every reason to be in the word and we do have a faithful savior. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. It's December 3rd. But on December 3rd, we get to look forward to everything that our Savior has already prepared for us. And so that means that although this Christmas can be quite burdensome, and there's a lot to worry about and a lot to stress you out, when you keep the main thing, the main thing that, that God's criteria over you is your life, his word, and the sure and certain hope that we have, and that makes this Christmas season a lot more optimistic and certainly positive. After all, the one who promised is faithful. Mm -hmm.